Welcome to Leeds Lit Fest 2020. The podcast you're about to hear was made by Chapel FM, commissioned by Leeds Lit Fest and funded by Leeds Inspired, part of Leeds City Council. Each writer profile was recorded on location in an environment in or around the city of Leeds, chosen by the writer. All events in Leeds Lit Fest 2020, March 4th to the 8th, can be booked at www.leedslitfest.co.uk. Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me, yeah. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. New life for me. Ooh, 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 ooh. And I'm feeling good. One of the things that came to mind was Nina Simone because she can sing a song like Mississippi Goddamn that's so angry and so kind of challenging and making heard something that people don't want to hear. At the same time as she can sing a song like Feeling Good which is a very hopeful, positive, loving of life song. And I feel like that, that's kind of a bit like what I'm like. I'm not, I do get uh, charged by things and I do want to right wrongs and I've always been really committed to sort of justice and seeking justice. And I also really um, value all the positive things in life, really. And um, I, I like to try and approach what I would call more public poems in a, in a sort of subtle way. I want people to be in the experience and feel it and empathise rather than be on the outside and pointing at them and saying, this is a terrible thing. I want to draw them into the experience so they really feel it. Um, I kind of talk about it like I want to open people's hearts as well as their minds in a way. And I, and I think a lot of, when people see a lot of trauma, um, even like current day, they see stuff happening on the news, they see all the stuff about refugees. It's, uh, there's a tendency for people to like not be able to cope with it and close down. And I think poetry can play a really important part in providing a safe space for people to open up inside because it's contained. They can sort of step in and allow themselves to feel it and also not overwhelm them in a way. So that's one of my missions in a way. So welcome to this fourth podcast in our series of writer profiles for Leeds Litfest. And we're standing, well, I'm not going to tell you where we're standing. I'm going to uh, ask our writer to tell us where we're standing and where this place is, what it means to her. So it's lovely to have Seni Sanivaratni with us. Hello, Sunny. Hi. Hi there. Yes, we're standing on the edge of the canal, um, looking across the canal at two out of three very interesting towers that I once wrote a poem about uh, some years ago now. Um, as far as I know, they're listed buildings and uh, they were built by the owner of one of the factories here that made things for the flax industry 
um, for the linen industry. And what's amazing about them is that they're like Italianate towers. And so the one that's the most stunning, really, is the one that is... I've checked this out. It is like a replica of Giotto's tower in Florence. And um, it's even got gilded tiles on it as well, um, high up. They're, they're actually properly gilded tiles. And it was the ventilation shaft for the factory. So I've been seeing these, obviously, all my life, having been born in Leeds. Um, as you come into the station, you, you, there they are, um, these three towers on, on your right-hand side if you're coming from the south. And um, I've been looking at them and not really realising what they were. And then when I was uh, working on a commission for Leeds Architecture uh, Week, I started to do some research on them and discovered that they were connected to that industry that was happening in the 1800s. And then I also discovered that one of my ancestors, my great-great-grandfather on my mother's side, the Yorkshire side, um, would have probably walked past them on his way home from work. That's what I imagined. And so I decided to imagine what it might have been like for him at that, at that time, which is where my poem A Wider View comes from. A Wider View. In the backyard of his back-to-back, my great-great-grandad searched for spaces in the smog-filled sky to stack his dreams, high enough above the cholera to keep them and his newborn safe from harm. In 1849, eyes dry with dust from 12 hours combing flax beneath the conicals of light in Marshall's temple mill, he took the long way home because he craved the comfort of a wider view. As he passed the panelled gates of tower works, the tall octagonal crown of Hardin's chimney drew his sights beyond the limits of his working life, drowned the din of engines, looms and shuttles with imagined peals of ringing bells. Today, my footsteps echo in the sodium gloom of Neville Street's dark arches, and the red brick vaults begin to moan as time, collapsing in the river air, sweeps me out to meet him on the wharf. We stand now, timeless in the flux of time, anchored only by the axis of our gaze, a ventilation shaft with gilded tiles and Giotto's geometric lines, while the curve of past and future generations arcs between us. It's changing quite a lot, isn't it? It is, it is, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, I don't know what this is in front of us. I know when I was doing the research, it looked like it was going to be possibly apartments and office buildings. And I remember I walked around and it was, and, and it was all gated up. There was nothing happening there. It was, all, um, it was impossible to get in, in fact, at that time. But I think, by the look of it, it might be possible to get in there now and see what's happening. And... I've got my eye on sort of finding a space where I could try and get that poem, you know, up on the wall or something. I think it might be quite nice. <laughs> Maybe we should go and have a look at, for a space now. Yeah, we'll just, yeah. <laughs>
So we're just yeah, just walking into Tower Works. Let's keep going. Yeah. What do you reckon? Wow, this is amazing. I tried so hard to get in here when uh, I was writing that poem and uh, it was all locked and barred and nothing was happening in here and it's like it wasn't even a building site. And to just come in and see those beautiful towers there, all three of them, um, it's wonderful actually. Yeah, it's really, really good feeling. Straight ahead is a kind of uh, quite a simple looking uh, tower um, compared to the other two at least but still you know beautifully preserved in a way it's an it's an amazing and uh, and then to the left of it the octagonal tower that I refer to in the poem which is like yeah, you just wouldn't expect to see it in Leeds city centre in a way. You expect to be somewhere in in Italy to be seeing that. And then to the left of that, the even more stunning uh, one that's just like Giotto's Tower in Florence, like a replica of it with all its um, gold-leafed tiles. And um, it's amazing to think that somebody actually took the time to have that built as a ventilation shaft for a, a factory. It's incredible. So, Sonny, you come from Leeds originally. Yeah, yeah. So, when, when, you, when you come back here, do you... How do you feel? Um, it's full of lots of memories. I don't... Neither of my parents are alive anymore, and they lived in Leeds just about until they died. And um, I used to come quite often to visit them. And now the main reason I have for coming is because of People Tree Press. So I'm really pleased that I've got People Tree as my publishers because it keeps me connected to Leeds in a way. I've, I have very um, good memories, really. Uh, I think my childhood in the 50s, growing up in Leeds, um, you know, people assume that growing up in a mixed-race family in the 50s might have been quite a difficult thing, but actually what I remember about it was how nurturing it was within the family that um, I never felt unloved at all so it sort of served me well for things that I might have to face when I was outside of the home which I feel like we were given a lot of resources to not be too damaged by any of the racism that I've subsequently faced in my life and you know compared to a lot of people I think I haven't faced the rough end of it like a lot of people have so um, but even so things that have happened I, I don't feel like it's ever damaged my sense of self really which I think it does to some people um, I always felt like I was all right in the world and um, that's a credit to them and it's also something that I probably never uh, acknowledged to them when they were alive, because you don't really, to your parents. My father died when he was quite young, he was only 70, so there were a lot of things that I've not said to him, um, which is why it's been important to do this latest book about him. Um, and so yeah, Leeds is, for me is all of that really, and you know, growing up, going to school here, um, the city centre is really about staying out late at night and pretending I was staying with a friend so that... Because they were very protective of us, understandably now, I realise, but so we had to be in at a certain time. So we used to, uh, I used to pretend I was staying with a friend whose mother was a little bit more lenient. 
I can remember walking through Quarry Hill Flats late at night with absolutely no kind of sense of danger or, you know, um, on the way back to this friend's uh, house, which was in some flats near there. So um, it's all of that, Leeds Reference Library, revising for my A-levels. And I used to volunteer with another friend in St George's Crypt. Um, we, we used to volunteer there for a while just before I went away to university and um, that's a really vivid memory for me on the back of the town hall so yeah it's good I, I love coming back here and um, feeling the all of that really yeah summertime and the living My mum was a really good singer, I mean, just for herself, really. And that's where I got my singing voice from. And um, she used to like singing along to Ella Fitzgerald when she was on the radio and stuff, and it was kind of of that era. This is my latest book and it's called Unknown Soldier and it's, um, it's really a lot about my, my dad who, um, who came to Leeds from what was then Ceylon and um, ended up staying here because uh, he met my mother and he sort of studied here and you know, went to college after school and he, it's a very, it's a long and would probably take too much time to tell the, the kind of story about how he came to be here and about my grandfather and all of that. But um, my grandfather came here in the 1920s. His wife, my grandmother, had died uh, quite young. My dad would have been about six when she died. And he came here ostensibly to deliver something for somebody. And so he came up to Leeds and he went to meet the family and um, they gave the parcel and they said, oh, you ought to meet such and such a, a guy, Mr. Oldroyd. So um, my grandfather went to meet the Oldroyds and they had an 18-year-old daughter and my grandfather ended up wooing her and marrying her and taking her back to Ceylon with him and uh, she stayed there even after he died and he died in his 50s and uh, she'd had two more children then and it was this crossover my dad because they came back with all the, his children from his first marriage and spent a couple of years in Leeds and my dad went to school was sent to school here and so when then when they went back to Ceylon my dad stayed with this young woman's parents so we sort of step grandparents the oldroids so i've got these amazing photos of my dad in the 1920s standing outside a 14 year old outside this terraced house in leeds with this old white couple um looking totally relaxed and you know uh, and he stayed here and um it was like they swapped places somehow which is that's an interesting thing about a place isn't it it's like no he just 
wanted to be here. And then during the war, he signed up with the British Army as a signalman. And um, he was in North Africa for a while. And then his father got him a transfer to Ceylon, the defence force in Ceylon, because his plan was to get him back there, get him to marry a Salonese young woman and stay there. And my dad had already met my mother by then. So after the war, he came back. So, yeah, he went to war and he was a signal man and I've got all these photographs in an album of him and I became curious about who'd taken the photographs because there's a lot of really beautiful shots of my dad where he's obviously the main focus in the picture. So I created a character whose nickname is Shorty um, and I was just curious about all of those things. So I've, I've imagined the voice of this photographer talking about my dad during the war so yeah I could read one of Shorty's in his voice but I kind of want to read this one which is me uh, responding to some letters of my dad's that he sent from the troop ship because Leeds is significant for him really I think dear dad does this seem odd this replying to letters sent all those years ago from a troop ship what with me not due to be born for another ten years and you dead now this past thirty? No matter. I know you at least believed in an afterlife, so I'll hope you are receiving me. That reference to your trip on the Arama from Ceylon to England twelve years ago makes me sorry I never asked you more about that crossing as well as this one. How optimistic you sound. That familiar glass half full attitude you always had 148 men squeezed into cramped mess quarters to eat and sleep and you're writing about how the hammocks comfortable enough for a good night's rest it's so typical of you to think of going up on deck when rough seas made the mess unbearable wrapped up in your greatcoat and balaclava did you watch the stars until you fell asleep I'll write more soon. This is just a short note to say, wherever you are, I am thinking of you. And the, just tell us the name, the title of the book. The title of the book is Unknown Soldier, published by People Tree Press. And it was a Poetry Book Society recommendation, which I'm, I was really pleased about. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, it's been quite a journey because it started off as a way of of responding to a lot of silences about the war and about his experiences and about who the hell is this photographer anyway and all of that. And it became a kind of eulogy to my father in a way. And um, it also became a bit of a testament to the power of friendship and this kind of really close relationship that he must have had with this fellow soldier that... When, when some people have read it, and in fact when I was writing it, I started to think, I think this photographer was a bit in love with him. I mean, who'd blame him, actually? <laughs> um, and uh, my father would have been totally unaware of that, like it wouldn't have been on his radar at all, but it, it feels a little bit like an unrequited love story as well. Um, and so it's about war, but it's also got a lot of love in it which is um a little bit like that contradiction i was talking about before where it's like that's how you deal with the difficult things is by what you use to nurture yourself i guess yeah 
And at the moment you're doing a project which is um, colonial countryside. Yes. And, and that's very obviously, very by the sound of it, very much concerned with place. Tell us a bit yeah. about that, if you would. Um, it's uh, Ten writers were commissioned um, for this project that is run in partnership with the National Trust and People Tree Press are also on board as the publishers because a book's going to come out this year sometime uh, with all the work that we've done. And what happened was we were allocated a particular National Trust property to go into and spend time in and respond to it in relation to the colonial connections of that place and um, I live fairly near Sudbury Hall which is near Ashbourne and um, I've been there before and I knew and I know that there is a painting in there of one of the women connected to the family with a child a black child in the painting next to her um, unnamed I think it says black page I think it says and I immediately knew that was the that was the place I wanted. So I, I, when when I got the commission, I said that's the property I want to be at, not just because it's nearby, but because of that painting. Um, because I wrote a poem about another painting in the National Portrait Gallery, which was one of Charles uh, II's mistresses, um, with her a supposed black servant in the voice of that child. So. I've always had this idea about wanting to write more poems like that. So here was another child without a voice. So um, that's what I did. I went there and sort of sat with the painting and just waited for the voice, really. And then what happened was I imagined that the child in my painting could call up all the children that are in all these paintings in other National Trust properties uh, that are not named. So one of the poems that I've written is imagining that what if that child could do that and I refer to these children in the different properties um, because we've got historians working with us and they one of those historians uh, Miranda Kaufman sent me a PowerPoint with all these examples from different houses I've subsequently been to about four of those because my plan is after this project to write more detailed voices for all of them because that's probably what I want to do next um, in, in a book that's really a response not just to paintings of that era but to the fact that those children there's in the even in the properties when you go around and you say oh, I've come to look at this painting and it's uh, with a black child in it and you get such different responses because it, sometimes it's a bit defensive and then other times it's about oh I haven't even noticed because quite often they're really obscured and um, one woman I said to her well basically these children are trafficked children aren't they really and she was like oh my god yeah I've never thought of that so that was a really a good response from a volunteer but others they kind of get very defensive and say well, well uh, the, uh, our person who owns this, they weren't involved in the slave trade, you know. They didn't make any money from it. Or, or they say, oh, no, no, it was, it, it, they weren't slaves. They weren't slaves. They were, you know, they were like servants or pages or, you know, so, something that... So that's been a whole interesting process, really, of, like, of, of what happens to people when you ask them. Uh, I'm come to look specifically at that painting. Can I go and look at it? Um, 
So it, that for that reason, it feels really important to me to to give them a voice, really. So sunny, a bit warmer in here, mm-hmm. in the calf. Are you looking forward to tonight, the launch of the Leeds Lit Fest, and when you're going to be reading with people tree? I'm really looking forward to seeing some some of the other writers because two of them, Malaika and Roger, I was on uh, a poetry kind of programme with them called Complete Works, which started in 2008. And so we were, uh, I met them for the first time there and it's always good to have an opportunity to meet up with them again. And I'm really pleased to be seeing Roger because he's just won this amazing T.S. Eliot Prize. So it'll be great to be able to congratulate him in person. Um, and Khadija, who's going to be reading there, I know her from early days before I had my first book published because we were both involved in a programme called Inscribe. And nice, I'm quite excited about reading in a church, actually. quite like the idea. And particularly because I'll be reading about my dad, who was very religious. He was a very devout Catholic, so... Um, I know it'll be, it's the wrong religion, but <laughs> it'll be in a church, so it'll be quite good. <laughs> um, so one question I've been asking people, what's over yonder for you? Um, is, are there places that you might want to be going to, either you know, metaphorical places, perhaps physical places? What does the word mean to you? Okay, ooh, ooh that's a big one, isn't it? <laughs> um, places, well, I have had fairly recently a period in my life when I was out of England and travelling quite a lot and at that time it was fine and I seem to have had a time um, over these last few years when I feel a little bit more home based and I lived in Sheffield for a long time and that was my sort of main base and now I'm in Derbyshire and I'm living with my partner in a house and we've got a lovely garden and and, and she designed a, a lovely writing shed for me. So I feel a little bit like, um, in terms of place, that's where I feel very settled now, particularly in that writing space. And uh, I don't know how that connects to place, but anyway, that is, yeah. Well, I think it does in the sense of, and I certainly love the idea of being in the shed and being able to go anywhere and... Uh, and wherever yonder that may be. (laughs) It's been really fascinating to talk to you, Sonny. So thanks very much for for giving you time. And, uh, yeah, we'll probably, in a minute, head off back past the Tower Works, and if anything occurs to us as we go, any more you want to say to it about it? Yeah, there's something I want to say about Tower Works. What's really exciting about sitting here in this little cafe, um, opposite Tower Works, and being able to see the towers is I'm right back there in 2006 when I was working with a really great young composer um, and musician, Gemma Wilde, on something for Architecture Week at Leeds Music College. I've no idea where Gemma Wilde is in the world, but if she's listening to this, it'd be really nice to know how she's doing because, I mean, that was, what, that was more than 10 years ago and um, presumably she's gone on to do great things. And... You know, we we worked together on this piece, which was about these very towers. A wide wide in the backyard of his back-to-back. My great-great-granddad, 
searched for spaces in the smoke-filled sky to stack his dreams. Because he craved the comfort of a wider view, with of a wider view. A place stays in your heart, really, however much it changes. Um, it stays in your heart because you have this memory of it as it was, and that never, never goes, really. It never disappears. So that's good. Alabama's got me so upset. Tennessee made me lose my rest, and everybody knows about me. So upset. Tennessee made me lose my rest, and everybody knows about Mississippi. God damn! Can't you see it? Can't you feel it? It's all in the air. I can't stand the pressure much longer. Somebody say a prayer. The podcast you've just heard was made by Chapel FM, commissioned by Leeds Litfest, and funded by Leeds Inspired part of Leeds City Council. Each writer profile was recorded on location in an environment in or around the city of Leeds, chosen by the writer. All events in Leeds Litfest 2020, March 4th to the 8th, can be booked at www.leedslitfest.co.uk.